Welcome to the third episode of VSTML 2010 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is a Canadian who has ensured that we both know the rules of ETA discipline before the podcast started recording, Logan Saunders. Good evening. Good evening. It's time for the episode we have been waiting weeks to do, because this is a very fun episode. Fred Sissing is the mole. <laughs> it's the infamous... Tea Party, Fritz Sissing is the Mole, Driving School, Manuel Disappears, Peter Yan being a very disappointed father. What the hell they still do a non-elimination twist episode. And this is the stretch of them not earning any money for the pot for quite some time. In this episode, I guess they do eventually earn money, but... Spoilers? (laughs) You're going to have to put a spoiler warning on this episode now. Fritz Sissing might still be the Mole. (laughs) That's true. Ah, crap, I guess we can. As we said last week, we are going to end up accidentally spoiling this season between us because it is not a particularly subtle mole this season. So anyways, in this episode, no money goes into the pot. (laughs) It may or may not eventually have money added in at the end of the season. Yeah, there is the price of Fritz at the end of the season, assuming he makes it that far. That uh, that still needs to be held above their heads. Yeah, I forgot the I for I forgot the whole money part of this twist. I I forgot that this twist is essentially repeated for the Albania season, except instead of Angela and Carol judging who they think the mole is, it ends up being switched to the viewers on a very very brief first impression. There is a little bit of housekeeping that I need to do for this episode or before this episode, in that. Thanks to Bindle's challenge guide, I actually realised that the usual nothing is what it seems Nietzsche is what had liked banner was actually introduced this season. It's the first time that it's actually um it actually becomes a tagline of the mole, Nietzsche is what had liked, is this Japan season. Which I'd completely forgotten about. Yeah, now we have about what, seven or eight little catchphrases that are attached to Vidim now over the years. Yeah, I mean Kim did say Kennis is Max in the first episode. And I think that that was around a lot longer than uh, Nietzsche's Fox had liked. But yeah, this is apparently the uh, the season that they started using that tagline. And also, ironically, after we discussed it in the What Did the Moldu section last week, this episode actually airs out of out of its normal time slot because of a fundraiser for uh, the tsunami in Haiti. They actually aired this episode at 10 past 10 in the evening rather than 8.30 on the Thursday. It's the one episode that actually aired out of, uh, out of time slot, and it's probably... It's probably the most infamous episode of the season, this one as well. They had a, uh, a telethon in its place. Yeah, you want to watch a PBS-style telethon, or do you want to watch one of the most iconic episodes of Vidim of all time? <laughs> and I also have some fun facts about our uh, our first three boots, including Manuel in the end, because Tim has not aged in 12 years. I can't remember whether this is actually part of episode two, but we did discuss this. Tim has not aged. Yeah, he still looks like Sean William Scott. Yeah, he still looks like Sean William Scott. He's got a little bit less hair, but he he looks almost identical to how he did in uh, in Japan. Manuel, however, does not. Have you seen a picture of Manuel recently? No, no, I have not. I would not recognize him. I only know this because I followed all ten people from this season on our uh, on our Instagram account um, a couple of days ago. But Manuel looks completely different to how he looked in uh, in Japan. It's well worth looking into. Well, because he looks like a punk, like a punk rock guy in Japan, right? Yeah, I would not have recognised him had nobody told me that it was Manuel. 
Yeah, because he'd be, what, probably around 40 as well? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I think he was kind of late 20s, early 30s when he filmed this season. Yeah. Again, a lot can happen during that time in terms of fashion choices. Look at Tigo. <laughs> and the other thing on that subject is, do you know what uh, Loretta's been up to since? I don't know. Did she discover a new element? She is now a judge on the Dutch version of The Masked Singer, alongside Buddy from China, and judging contestants, including Diedrich and Tico. Once again, this supports my theory that the Vidim, or the Dutch reality TV community is very, very small. <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten that she um, that she actually is a, a judge on Dutch Masked Singer, but in addition to that, she actually is a judge on Dutch Masked Singer alongside Buddy and Ron's brother. Ron's brother? Ron's brother Carlo is um, quite famous as well, apparently. Is Ron's brother going to be on the next season of Vidim? I think he's actually probably more famous than Ron, to be honest. Well, then that's even more the reason for a production to try and get him. <laughs> yeah, they can't afford him. <laughs> well, they afforded Nikki. Yeah, she wasn't that famous at that point. I'm not sure they'd afford her now. So there is actually one more thing I do have to point out, and that is a discussion on the Bothers Bar Discord as of the recording in this episode last week about particular timestamps in the uh, in the Belkia episode that was iconic. And I said, and I quote, the 34 minutes and 19 seconds timestamp of the episode I've just watched is iconic. Making people assume that it was the sixth episode of Belkia. It was actually this episode when Carol claims that Fritz is a mole. Hmm. So I wasn't lying. It is iconic. It's just not the episode you're expecting. <laughs> so previously, the final nine took a tram tour around Nagasaki on their way to the peace park before being taken to an abandoned Dutch village theme park. At a friendly negotiation, everyone but Manuel ended up with Yokers, but a surprise at the test saw them all have to come clean about what they had hidden. At the execution, a devastated Tim saw the red screen and broke down, leaving just our final eight. When they are still in Nagasaki, PTN tells us despite his heroics, Fritz didn't get any money for the pot in Little Holland Village, and Tim seeing red was a shock to himself. Yokers have returned again, and it won't be left at that. Icons will return in this season. And I like how we have Fritz and Heroics in the same sentence, because I don't think that'll be uttered again. <laughs> well, if Fritz is the mole, then not only did he lose the group 2,000 euros in that challenge, but he's about to lose them 3,000 euros at the end of the season. Yeah, Fritz. Fritz's personality changes quite a lot starting this episode. And the first hint that we get that anything is up is the fact that the family photo only features seven people, and none of them are Manuel. Yeah, so was that public knowledge that Manuel was already going to be gone heading into this episode? Not that I'm aware of. It certainly wasn't in the next time trailer that somebody might be medevaced or whatever. Yeah, because if this, if this was modern day Vidim or the Mole, they'd be hyping a moment like that up quite a bit, I think. Oh yeah, they'd be absolutely promoting the shit out of it for a week beforehand, going, you'll never guess what's going to happen next. Or in the case of Belkia, letting all the press see it a few hours early to write their articles and get them out dead on time. Except for Anka, because once it happens for a third time, it doesn't matter. It's not as big of a moment anymore. Yeah, no one cares about Anka, that's the problem. So it is night three, and everyone discusses at dinner how devastated they were that Tim went. Hint says that he was the most fanatic, he was constantly in game mode. Ian says that he started writing in his mobile from the first second, and they didn't even have mobile yet. Eric tells the group that out of everyone in the group, he wanted Tim to stay the course, 
Sana feels guilty that she didn't give him the second yoker, and Aryan speculates that he must have put everything on one person, as he knew he wasn't the mole, and he had a yoker, so he got at least one point correct. In confessional, he describes himself as a hypocrite and says that Tim was a nice guy, but this is the nature of the game. Now, it's time we got to our first probably iconic PTN moment of the uh, of the episode and of the season, and that is his entrance to the Otago Driving School, where for absolutely no reason they let him walk in with the driving instructors, and they do not lampshade this in the slightest. <laughs> And then I believe his quote was, don't forget, everybody, Japan is a country of rules. Yeah. Bendles gave this challenge a B-, and when I asked him about it yesterday in preparation for this episode, he said that he was potentially in the mind frame of maybe they were just taking the piss out of Japan here. But I think they just did this challenge because Japan loves its rules, especially on the road. And what better opportunity to you know, take the piss than make them do a driving test? They always used to do like the the person who got their license most recently had to do some sort of driving challenge in the early season. So I think it's just the same the same logic as that, just on a slightly different scale, because Japan loves its rules. Yeah, even season 12 of the American version of The Amazing Race, they also had a driving test in Japan before they started making every task a, a, a copy of the game show. Yeah, I think it's less slightly racially charged and more that they just love making people drive in Japan because of the ridiculous amount of rules, being honest. That's how I read it, at least. Maybe I'm naive. And once again, we have another challenge that's thrown off, but here it's not even production's fault. Because Peter Yan says, Manuel is sick, he can't participate, so... Um, Why don't you go on your own? Yeah, yeah. one person goes on his own, and we'll have a much easier time in this challenge since the driving instructor is going to be a lot more hands-on. Yeah, he says that Manuel isn't feeling man well. Yeah, man, he's man, man well. Manuel's not feeling well. Um, man, well. The fun thing is, I think any other host would have sold this a lot more. Of oh, we hope that Manuel gets better soon and is and can join us for this afternoon's assignment. Peter Yan just no sells it. He just says, "Yeah, Manuel's not well. One of you go on your own. I don't really give a shit." Yeah, more like man unwell. I don't know whether you saw this on the uh, on the Discord, but it was a discussion of how we would describe describe various mole hosts in terms of like spies and stuff. And weirdly, that's a discussion that we had in in episode one about Peter Yan. And I described Peter Yan as being like a police chief who was just coming up to retirement and did not give a shit anymore. And I don't think there is a better description of him, especially in this challenge. He goes from that to kind of disappointed father by the end of this challenge. Yeah, I mean, he's essentially saying, yeah, Manuel is just uh, is weak, <laughs> he's pathetic, and he, so that's why he's going to screw you all over in terms of being able to do this challenge properly. He just cannot push through. He needs to just man up. <laughs> he needs to man well up. That's the beat to it. There will be the, the fourth walkie-talkie will be unmanwelled. But we're just going to do Manuel puns for the rest of this episode. <laughs> I like how they try to draw as little attention to Manuel's absence after that, because Peter Yan doesn't say, oh, as he said, Michael, he didn't really say, oh, we're really praying for Manuel, we hope he feels better before the end of this episode. It's just, eh, he's not here, let's continue. Yeah, it was Bindles uh, who said, I know there was a thing where the different mole hosts tend to channel different famous spies, Angela as Matahari, Glenn as Bond, Carol as the cigarette-smoking man, etc., I didn't expect us to eventually get to the point where someone would eventually cosplay as Agent Zero from Spyro, which apparently the um, 
Finnish mole host was dressed as this week. And then uh, then Nick said, I now want to know which famous spy Peter Yan was channeling. <laughs> so they will be seeing what their Dutch driving license is worth in Japan. They'll be in pairs with one person behind the wheel and one person observing. One person will be alone due to Manuel's illness. They will need to remember that Japan is a country of rules and their instructors will be making sure that they follow them. They must pass over money signs while following the rules of the road to earn the cash. Each piece of road can only be driven over once. And to earn the money, they must return to their starting point within half an hour. Each time they commit a rule violation, they lose one of the potential money boards. They don't actually tell us how much money each board is worth, but the best guess that I've seen from Bindles is €100 per board and infraction for a total of €4,000 for the four groups. That will therefore be the figure that I use. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense monetarily, and um, obviously because, spoilers, nobody actually, uh, actually manages to make any money in this challenge. It's the best guess, I think, on this. Yeah, I wish they would have made that clear for the audience. Yeah, you know how I feel about challenges that don't give us the exact monetary amount that they can win, or have stupid monetary amounts that they can win. Yeah, just put a quick, put up a quick graphic on the screen. Yeah, I sort of don't hate it here because it makes absolutely no difference. It only makes difference to the maximum they can win this season. And to be honest, 4,000 is a, a pretty decent educated guess, I think. Is there a way to win this challenge, really? Or was it just supposed to be a funny little challenge for the viewers at home to watch? No, I think absolutely nobody was ever winning this challenge because the size of that driving school, that driving school simulator, I suppose, is the best way I can describe it. It's very small, especially if you're driving for half an hour on it. I think the only way to win any money on it is minimize the amount of road that you're on. Just go out, grab a couple of boards, come back. I think if you stay out for half an hour, you've lost immediately. Yeah, there's no way. You're going to screw up somewhere. And I think... They drove over the same lines how many, wasn't it how, like five or six times? Um, well, the exact quote from Peter Yan when he's reading the reports like a disappointed parent is that he clearly told them not to drive in the same bit of road more than once, and everyone did, so earn absolutely nothing for the challenge. Some of them drove over the same bit of road two, three, six times, <laughs> looking at hints. I know that we said that We'd forgotten how unsubtle the mole is in this season. But I had forgotten how inept Hint is. Hint is really inept in this challenge. Does she really do well in any challenge throughout the season? That's what I'm thinking. I always remembered Hint as being funny and maybe semi-competent. But in this challenge, I had forgotten that she gets seven penalties. Yeah, I believe there was a joke made at the end of the challenge where they where they're like, oh... The men, uh, Aryan and and Eric, drove well, while while the two women, Kim and Hind, were were terrible drivers, <laughs> and lived up to the stereotype. Yeah, and, and PCN no sells it obviously as disappointed parent PCN mode. The clipboards are what makes it. Like there was no point to have actual clipboards. He could have just uh, went over there and just told them how much they screwed up. It could have been on a single sheet of paper. But the fact he had four individual clipboards, like a gym coach is hilarious yeah this episode is infamous for the reason of the second challenge but i would argue that peter yan is just as funny in this first challenge when he's reading the reports and just going hint you didn't stop for a stop sign you drove on the wrong side of the road twice and crossed a line four times eric very good didn't stop at a stop line kim you drove on the wrong side of the road five times once through a red light and once clearly past the line but it doesn't matter i don't care you earn no money get out my sight 
I think my bit, the best bit from when Aryan is driving is, is, is he accidentally turns on the windshield wipers instead of the turning signal. That is surprisingly easy to do, because assuming it's... Well, obviously, this is 12 years ago, 12 and a half years ago, probably since he filmed it. But I drive a manual car, I'm assuming it's a manual car. The windscreen wipers in the indicators are on either side of the steering wheel. So if you're used to driving on the other side of the road, they're probably swapped as well, to be honest. So it's not as silly as it seems. It is, however, hilariously funny visually. I hope that production had a large enough uh, budget so that after Manuel was officially eliminated from the game, they were willing to go to a uh, to a store in Japan and buy a card for everyone to sign and have it be Get Manuel Soon card. Do you know the, the big thing that I thought of with this challenge? Just imagine Belgium doing a version of this. I think they would make it a lot more elaborate than what we saw or have little mini-games or obstacles where they could earn a little bit of money on the side. Yeah, the thing is, half of these challenges, you know as well as I do that Gilles really wants to go to Japan for a season because it it's perfect for, for their style of mole. Imagine a driving school challenge with Belgian rules. It would be insane. I wonder if they would do the classic driving challenge uh, trick where the person has to follow all the road rules, but they don't do the the over-the-shoulder check. Because they used to have the... I think a couple of seasons they have it where the car is completely blacked out, right? I think they did that in the where the windows are blacked out in the UK and the Australian version, I think they did that. Yeah, it's one of the classic old mole challenges. Is the It's usually the person who got their license most recently. They do that with. Yeah. And they say, oh, you didn't do the shoulder check. You lose. So Hint, Kim, Eric and I are driving with Fritz, Barbara and Santa navigating Santa reminds us that they need to remember to drive on the left and not on the right Fritz is paired with Hint, the drivers can only hear and not speak to their navigator Apart from, you know, Kim screaming at hers (laughs) And the navigators have the map of the board Hint performs her first left perfectly Which is the only manoeuvre she will perform perfectly in this entire challenge and the instructors, I believe, are laughing at Kim's driving as well as her anger and constant swearing at San's terrible, terrible directions from the walkie-talkie. Yeah, we've mentioned this before, but Sana suspects Kim at this point and seems to do everything in this challenge just to get a rise out of Kim and make her really angry with her. And it's delightful. It's brilliant television. <laughs> But Kim's berserk switch is hit by Santa just trolling her in this challenge, basically. Yeah, Kim Kim's shouting is so loud that they cut out to outside of the car, and you can hear her shouting from where the walkie-talkies are. <laughs> you can imagine the producers just sitting, hiding away, and just going, oh my god, this is absolute gold. And then everyone, everyone is screwing up on the walkie-talkies, and everyone is screwing up on driving except for Aryan, for the most part. Do you think there's an optimal position for the mole to be in this challenge? I don't know about optimal. I think it's just so easy to sabotage this challenge in general. I think it's a strange one because the four groups earn money individually that you can only really sabotage your own group. So you probably wouldn't want to be on your own in the case of the post-Manuel aspects of this challenge because obviously all the attention's on you if you're the only one not to bring any money in. But if you're in a pair, I don't think there is an optimal position. Because, well, if you're on the walkie-talkie, you just pretend like you're speaking into the walkie-talkie, but you have the but you've let go of the button so the person in the car can't hear you. 
And if you're in the car, you just pretend that you don't hear the walkie-talkie. Because even I think Eric Eric complains repeatedly that he can't hear Barb. Yeah, I think it's one of the very rare early in the season challenges where actually it feels like a late in the season challenge in terms of where the mole wants to be and then not being in optimal position. Yeah. And then we have Fritz asking uh, Sana if Kim could hear one of her commands saying, did Kim hear your last instruction before the challenge ended? So just kind of funny that Fritz is checking in on all of the different pairs saying, did that person hear you? Did that person hear you? Like Fritz is just starting to get really intense with everybody. Yeah. I think Fritz was probably asking out of concern because he could probably hear Kim screaming from his location as well. Yeah. We can hear Kim, but we don't know if she can hear you. <laughs> and being perfectly honest, if the second challenge hadn't happened, because you already know what the banner for this episode is, if the second challenge hadn't happened, Kim screaming at Santa probably would have been the banner. However, events kind of overtake it. You forget how good this driving school challenge is because the next challenge is really, really, really good. I think people sleep on this driving school challenge as being entertaining, but it's a very entertaining challenge, mainly thanks to Peter Yan and Kim screaming at things. Yes. And Eric is wearing a Boston Red Sox shirt, I noticed. It stimulates him. Yeah, it stimulates him. It stimulates him to earn money that day is to just wear his Red Sox jersey. Yeah. The Fenway Frank stimulates him, or he stimulates the Fenway Frank. <laughs> so Eric says maybe they should have done it backwards. He couldn't hear Barbara that well, and it's strange because him, Barbara, and Fritz had already discussed their etta discipline before they even did the challenge. Both him and Fritz tell us in confessional what was agreed. Conveniently, Barbara does not. Kim gets the first penalty that we see for running a red light. She also drives on the wrong side of the road and gets in Eric's way as a result, and she forgets to stay on the left and earns herself a third penalty. When we return to Hint, she's also managed to get three penalties. She drove over the level crossing without stopping, but nobody told her in Japan you have to do that. It's almost like it's common sense. And that earns her her fourth penalty. Hint, you're brilliant in this season, but nobody should have to tell you you don't drive over train tracks without stopping. And check it. Imagine if she was in Amazing Race Australia. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. She'd get stuck on the train tracks. I know there probably aren't that many uh, level crossings in uh, in the Netherlands, but you still have to be wary when you're driving anywhere of driving on train tracks. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get in a car with her. <laughs> Kim gets fourth penalty as she drives into a side street. Sana says she doesn't know she's allowed to go that way. Kim can't go left, but Sana warns her that she's doing things that will make them lose. She reversed, which counts as going over the same ground, so we already know that Kim is earning no money for this challenge. Eric also drives over the same ground when he turns left. And when we return to Hint and Iron, Hint has got seven penalties and five boards, with Iron having seven boards and no penalties. They both pull in, just as time expires, and Kim starts screaming at Sana. She says in confessional that she has to listen to herself more in future, but she was told that she had to listen to the navigators in this challenge, so she did. Yeah. Teamwork isn't this group's greatest strength, as we're going to see starting from here on out. The group really, really fractures. And then we get Peter Yan doing one of my favourite things he's ever done on Vidim and reading the reports like he's a disappointed parent. They're all getting grounded and they earn no money for the part. Now they have to go to a fancy dinner and behave. Yeah. He tells them to dress up nicely as he's having some of his friends over and he doesn't want them embarrassing him. Fritz says that he was very suspicious that Hint got seven fines. He thought she would have been a good driver. He feels like it's just her personality, though. Barbara says she saw two people mole, 
both Fritz and Sanna were terrible at guiding, which is deeply ironic given she was the one called out for not doing it to discipline. Then on the bus, Eric says that from morning to evening you're constantly having to remember things. It never stops. It only stops when you know who the mole is, and none of them are there yet. And they are driven to the Geisenkaku Garden for their second assignment. Ayan says everyone tried their best to look good as they were meeting important people. I really want Arnold Schwarzenegger to try and pronounce the name of that garden. Geisenkaku! <laughs> Geisenkaku Garden! Get down! <laughs> Before anyone corrects me, even though you know we won't be responding to any complaints from this season because we'll already have recorded it by the time you hear it, I know it's Guys and Kaku. Guys and Kaku. PCN tells us that two important people will be arriving here, and the candidates have no idea who they will be or what their assignment is. Hint thought straight back to Argentina's dinner party challenge where everyone had to do strange assignments for money, later adapted for Belgia, Vietnam. She expected that it would be something similar here. She's not wrong. Did you also notice when they keep referencing this Argentina challenge uh, who we see speak to the Argentinian couple? It was the mole of that season, wasn't it? It was Peggy again. Oh yeah, Peggy. Right. They showed the Peggy clip. They even referenced her directly. I didn't know she was that iconic. (laughs) Neither did I, but I'm assuming it's because she's a friend of Kim's. But they love a reference to Peggy in the start of the season. This is the second one in three episodes. Apparently Peggy had a phrase about talking about her father or something? Yeah, something like that. I, I don't know what the Argentina what the Argentina challenges were. Obviously, if you've heard our Belgia Vietnam episodes, you'll know how much we loved that dinner party challenge. It's the most chaotic Belgia challenge I've ever seen. And it was amazing. And surprisingly, the Belgia contestants had it as one of their least favourites. I don't know why why Axel would have hated having to drop his chopsticks and crawl under the table to get them. Yeah. <laughs> Full disclosure, did watch that challenge again a few weeks ago because it is delightful. <laughs> so everyone sits down basically on the floor in front of the two higher seats. Eric remembers that a mole will be revealing themselves this episode as warned by PTM. Yeah, they'll, st- they'll, they'll streak across the garden. All they have to do, as as in any Meet the Mole challenge, is just pay attention to their surroundings and make sure the mole reveals themselves. <laughs> and they, as a group, expected a Japanese couple to arrive and tell them who the mole was in Japanese. Eric says the atmosphere was very uncomfortable as no one knew the assignment, but as with many situations, the tension is broken by the appearance of Angela Groothausen, TV and music legend and mole icon. I also have to say, as I do any time Angela gets mentioned... Please look up her doing Private Dancer on Best of Zangas in Develt because it is amazing and it's one of the the best worst videos I've ever seen. She throws herself into it. She dances on the table at one point. Yeah, she goes all coyote ugly on it. Angela is amazing, especially in this challenge where at one point she does just kind of sit back in her chair, swilling her wine around and bitching about people to their faces. It's delightful. I like how they introduce Angela first, and she goes to sit down, and then it's like, oh man, it's Angela, the original host. She's a legend. Oh, and then there's 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 Carol. <laughs> Carol is a wonderful story as well because um, before Peter Yan took over, he ended up getting fired by Avro because he had a conflict of interest. I think it was in some sort of he was he took like a. Um, a directorship in some sort of green energy company, I think. 
and he wasn't allowed to um, to do that and host Mole at the same time, so he had to step down from hosting Mole. And by the end of this challenge, you can see he's definitely not still bitter about it. He was so he was the host during the Argentina season, right? He was, yes. And that was in which 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 region of Argentina? Uh, Patagonia, oh, I believe. Yes, yes, Patagonia, right? <laughs> I've already said Patagonia so many times, Logan. What do you need from me? Yeah, where was the third leg of season five of the Amazing Race? Where was where was that in? Was in Argentina somewhere? Yeah, it was, it was a region in the in the south. I think one of the towns is Bariloque, San Carlos de Bariloque. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I think I know what your challenge is, Logan, so I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> yeah, so Carol had a second job with the Green Energy Company, and Avro fired him because they were worried about journalistic independence, which fully explains why, when they're debating who the mole probably could be, he says, oh, it'll probably be Fritz because he hosts something on the Avro, and that's the sort of thing they will do. <laughs> he is low-key, super bitter, and super hilarious in that interaction. I wonder if it's part of the reason why he never gets brought back or mentioned again. I think it might be. Carol is kind of the forgotten mole host, but he is very much like Spy Chief, cigarette-smoking man, as Bindle said. He's very much forgotten in the kind of Angela whirlwind, and then Peter Yan being a, a sassy little bitch, and then Art doing it for years, and then also Rick's there. Well, I mean, I guess when Carol only did two out of 23, it's a bit understandable why he's not really referenced. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting because Peter Yan did four, and he makes so much more of an impact than Carol did in his two. And did any contestants from Carol's seasons return for Renaissance? Peggy. Right, Peggy. Memorable Peggy. Peggy was the only one of Carol's. We had Patrick and Horace from Peter Yan's, and then everyone else was from Art's. And Rick's. Uh, so the second chair is filled by Carol Vandergraaff. Angela tells him that they already look beat and they don't even know how much worse it's going to get yet. And she also, in particular Angela style, says that she was in the neighbourhood so she thought she'd just check up on them. And she explains that she filmed with her band The Dolly Dots 30 years prior in the very garden that they're eating in. That's a hell of a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that that was ever so slightly deliberate. That was probably one of the conditions. I'm not sure if it was one of the conditions, but I think when they were chatting to Carol and Angela about coming back, she probably said, oh, I know a, a really nice garden in Nagasaki if you uh, if you want a recommendation. Because I think I think Angela is, is still quite friendly with the production crew, even now. I think if they offered to invite her back, she probably wouldn't say no anymore. Carol probably would, because he's bitter at the Avril, but I think Angela probably wouldn't. Yeah, I'm just really surprised they don't incorporate her more, considering she's the original host, that this is their only, this is their final appearance for the past 12 years. Yeah, I think it might have something to do with the fact that she she's a very busy lady when it comes to judging talent shows now. She did um, she did both Expats and The Voice, I think, in Holland. So she's probably just a bit too busy to come back. Yeah, I mean, look at the Albania season or Czechia, where she only has to fly in for one day. Put it this way, if they if they turned around and said, we want to bring someone back, who do you want? Any day of the week, I would say Angela, because she's an absolute riot in this season. In one episode, she basically becomes the main character. It's like she temporarily replaces Manuel. <laughs> yeah. She comes back 
absolutely not giving a shit, just swinging wine and bitching about people to the face, and it's great. So Angela says to Carol that he walks in on their conversation about how it's practically impossible to really know who the mole is because everyone is trying to be suspicious. Carol asks if anyone's acting weird, and Arjun says that everyone acts weird. Hint says that it's nice to have them there, and Angela laughs in her face and says that it was a very long journey. It's stuff like that. And yet they're only going to be in Japan as long as Loretta was. Well, I suspect that part of the deal is probably they stayed in Japan a little bit longer than Loretta does. I think they probably got a holiday out of it as well. Or at least a hefty appearance fee. You'd hope so. I don't think either of them did it for fun. However much fun it probably would be to just come in, revisit your old stomping ground, and then leave again an hour later. Eric then gets a tap on the shoulder to head to a back room. Carol invokes the Argentina dinner party when he leaves. He finds seven envelopes there and stimulates them to work out what is in each. He feels a yoker in one and something that he thinks is an exemption in another, but it's actually a phone. He gets a card saying that he needs to make sure that after the lunch, Angela and Carol suspect him as the mole. That will earn money for the pot, and he can't tell anyone, and he's also told to keep the phone on him at all times, because it will become important. Kim asks if they have an assignment. They say yes, it is to eat lunch with the contestants. Angela also says that Eric now has an assignment as he returns, and he tells Arjun that he's next. He picks the envelope with a quote-unquote round thing that they all recognise from last week as a yoker. He also gets the assignment to make Angela and Carol think that he's the mole to earn money. Angela tells Sana to enjoy every moment, so you'll never do anything like it again, unless you come back for renaissance. Hint explains that she was close to Tim, and he has just gone home. Barbara, Kim, Sana and Fritz all get the assignment to make Angela and Carol suspect them, as does Hint. Everyone then tries to tries to become suspicious. Fritz drops into conversation that he knew they were heading to Japan, making both Carol and his fellow candidates suspect him. Hint says that it was very clear they all had different assignments, which, you know, she's wrong. Very wrong. <laughs> Angela starts talking about how that 30 years ago anything they thought was candy was actually fish. Arjun takes the strategy of staying in the background to seem suspicious. And then Carol says that in Argentina, someone had the assignment to not speak, and he thinks that Sana may have got the same. Kim, inspired by her friend Peggy, plays it exactly the same as she did in Argentina to try and get Angela to say Bali and Carol Patagonia. He tries to subvert her plan, but he says it after Angela's already told him what it is 40 times. <laughs> I think it was just pure annoyance that led them to be like, okay, we're just going to say those two words. What's your favourite backpacking brand? What's the Welsh speaking bit of Argentina called? Do you know? The Welsh? Yeah. Yeah, they speak Welsh in Patagonia. I did not know that. It's one of the uh, one of the languages of Patagonia, is Welsh. It's the only place in the world other than Wales where uh, a Welsh is spoken. I think in the Netherlands, the only the only area where they speak Welsh is in an area called Manwelsh. I'm just going to absolutely no-sell these Manuel puns, just for the record. <laughs> you keep going all you want. Arjun drops a sake glass to try and seem suspicious. Angela then asks if they actually write in the mole books. Sana says there are people who remember what everyone wears at all times. Including the colour of their underwear. Can you imagine that being an actual question on the quiz? What colour panties did the mole wear? Rude? Blau? Far, far too much detail there, guys. Please stop being creepy. <laughs> yeah. They're really trying to avoid ties. Well, yeah, of course they are. They're asking about underwear instead of ties. Can you imagine the, the first quiz they do that where the contestants panic? Like, oh, I, I didn't figure this out. 
then and then after the execution happens you're thinking oh i didn't know what color underwear the mole was wearing that almost sent me home well i'm gonna have to avoid doing that again so then the next round they're all just pulling down each other's pants so they have an advantage on the next quiz you might be hiding a yoker up there <laughs> jesus it's another Alche situation where she just wants them to do a strip search in case they got yokers. She just doesn't trust them. Alche's just by the door of the by the door of the tea house just saying, You better not have any yokers hidden up there. I will find them. So PC Yan interrupts the discussion to ask Angela and Carol to join him. Angela wishes them all the luck in the world, as they don't know when it's gonna end. They were told beforehand that they had to find out who the mole was. PC Yan confirms, against what we suspected last week, that he knows who it is but he's offering absolutely no hints. Carol, being a bit of a sassy bitch, says that it's because it's the 10th season and he hosts Crime Watch and Avro, they'd probably choose Fritz. However, I have looked this up. He didn't actually host Crime Watch at the time and only returned to it in 2011. Angela says it could be Aryan, but he's a relative unknown, so unlikely. Fun fact, if they film this season now, Aryan 100% would be the most famous person in this cast. Her suspicion is that it's Eric, but they settle on it being Fritz, with the infamous line... Fritz Sissing is the mole. Fritz says that he likes that they chose him. If they are correct, then the pot will drop by 3,000 euros after the finale. If they are wrong, the pot will gain 3,000 euros. And PTN also confirms that they all had the same assignment. And obviously, because we don't officially find out whether Fritz is the mole or not until episode 10, unless he goes home before then, I won't be adding that money to both the actual pot and the maximum until we find out whether Fritz is the mole. I like how Angela puts Carol's film noir hat on his head before he makes the declaration. Yeah, I think they are probably friends. But as Bindle said to me when we were discussing this challenge, they're basically Statler and Waldorf. They're just basically sat in a booth above the challenge just bitching about people constantly. And I love this. I would love it to return as a recurring thing. Just have one challenge a season where Angela and Carol just get to sit there and roast people. That's all I want. It would just be delightful. It would be a better tradition than a laser game. Well, exactly. It would. The laser game's just fun for the contestants. This would be fun for everyone involved, because everyone would be going into a season going, oh my god, I wonder what they're going to say about me. It's basically Zingbot. But, you know, Dutch. And I also love that they give Angela and Carol a separate area to do their confessionals, and it is in heavy soft focus. Yeah. They have rubbed a lot of Vaseline on that lens. I like how Angela says, I think it could be anyone except Fritz. And then Carol has tunnel vision on Fritz. That's the thing. Coming into this, it's a really difficult challenge for them because you're only meeting these people for an hour potentially and then going, yeah, I need to put a 3,000 euro stake on your head. It's a very interesting proposition for them to actually turn around because they are the first two of only three mole hosts here who have never been a contestant. It's their opportunity to to try and actually pin down who they think the mole is. Would they be allowed to pick Manuel as the mole if they didn't think anyone at the table was the mole? Presumably not, because I think by that point, production had already realised that Manuel was not going to be returning. I think Manuel was probably already on his plane home by the time they were doing this tea challenge, to be perfectly honest. Did Peter Yan even mention that Manuel was absent a second time? I can't remember. I don't think he did. I don't think he mentioned it to, to anyone in this challenge. He obviously mentions it at the at the test. Yeah. Or the at the execution, but I don't think he mentions it in the challenge. 
but yeah, I think Manuel was probably already on on the plane back to to skip off by that point. Being honest about it, it's never fun flying when you're sick. That could not have been a fun two days flying back home. So Eric says on the bus that two envelopes were very strange. One felt like it had an exemption in it, and one had something else. Aryan confirms that he took the envelope that Eric didn't, but not what it was, and then reveals that it was a yoker. And then we get a frankly strange scene of them doing laundry. Right after talking about each other's underwear, we get the laundry scene. I don't know if they were just filling this up for time, which is very surprising given that we have three tasks in the span of 50 minutes. Yeah, here's an idea, producers. If you ever need to fill time and you have a challenge like the tea room, give us more of Angela bitching about people. I don't care how much time you need to take up in this episode. Just give us more of that. But yet the tea challenge went on for quite a while. That was definitely the longest challenge of the episode. Yeah, because it's the it's the temple challenge of the season. It's the the closest to an anniversary challenge that they have in the season. So it needs to have the heavy focus, but I would have just taken taken another five minutes of Angela roasting people, to be honest, instead of the laundry scene. It was weird. Yeah, I was thinking this is very out of place for these shorter Vidim episodes. That's something you'd see in a newer one if, say, they got down to final four, final five, and they have to fill up over 60 minutes. Then you can throw in a goofy laundry scene for a minute or two. So Eric asks Ayan if he thinks that anyone suspects him. He says yes. He thinks that Barbara suspects him, but he suspects her a little as well as Sana. And he says that he suspects everyone a little sometimes. It is time for the test on day five. 20 questions about the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least may go home, except for the mole who can never go home. And Ayan is the only person with a yoker. Sana says she still suspects Ayan a lot. He went alone in the driving challenge, which was the perfect place for the mole. Despite his good driving, he still crossed the same bit of road and cost the group money. Aryan plays his yoker. He thinks the mole is a man. Eric is starting to doubt himself. He got a lot closer to the mole, but the last assignment threw him. He thinks that it's either Kim, Hint, or Aryan. If it is Sana, she's going far to make herself suspicious. Kim says it's a nice way to mold if you're guiding the drivers like Sana was. Hint, we're led to believe, suspects Fritz. Barbara thinks that the mole was guiding the drivers. And Fritz has seen all his candidates work. Kim got seven fines, Sana didn't know how a walkie-talkie worked, and her and Barbara both pretend they don't know. PTN tells them officially that Manuel's still sick, he's missed too much of the game, so he's gone home, and one of them will follow him shortly. It's interesting that Peter Yen would use that specific phrase in saying, Manuel's missed too much of the game, so we had to kick him out. Yeah. Like I said, I think... I think Manuel was probably already on a plane home by the time that they did that tea room challenge the previous day. I'm surprised they just didn't let him recover in Japan and then send him home. Maybe they did, because I think it was a stomach bug, if I remember rightly. So maybe they just shoved him in a separate hotel in case he shot himself to death and sent him home a few days later. Yeah. But the awkward thing for Tim watching this, of course, is if it had happened 24 hours beforehand, Manuel would have got medivaxed and he would have stayed. Yeah, it would have been... I mean, this round is essentially a cancelled execution. Yeah, but they still went ahead with the non-elimination they were going to do in this round anyway. It still would have been a non-elimination this episode, regardless. Or a challenge to make it a non-elimination. Yeah. The interesting thing is, in previous seasons up until this point, if someone had quit or been medivaced, 
they did tend to bring someone back, but because of their policy of sending someone home straight away, they couldn't do it in this season. Otherwise, they probably would have brought him back at the start of this episode. Yeah, and just give Tim a second shot. Yeah, they do have form with bringing people back like uh, like Colanta do. If someone quits or is medevaced in French Survivor, then the person who went home last comes back in the game in their place. I was thinking too with this non-elimination challenge that I think the fact that it was only the fifth day and letting, say, if they didn't let Barb get the get the exemption if she saw a red screen, they'd be down to six people after just five days in the game. I think people were already getting depressed at the idea of already having the group cut by 40% so quickly. Yeah. So Fritz, Hint, Kim, Sana for the first time, Aryan and Eric all get green screens, meaning that Barbara must have the red. She tells PTM that he doesn't need to put her name in, and he tells the group that they can still earn some more money, taking Barbara away from them. The six who received a green screen have Barbara's fate in their hands, each of them will be faced with her and have to place a green and red torpedo under two cups. If they want her to stay, they will tell her where the green one is. If they want her to leave, they will tell her where the red one is. If she collects four green ones, then she stays. But if she collects four red ones, then she leaves and they will earn 2,000 euros to the pot. I will also point out that this is the era of mole with torpedoes, which are the, the quarter exemptions. You see them in a lot of challenges in this era of mole. Up until Hong Kong Philippines, I think is the last one that I know has a torpedo challenge in it. Um, you have to collect four of the same colour usually to earn an exemption or money for the pot in some cases. Those quarter exemptions are called torpedoes. They're introduced, as the name suggests, in the Mexico season. And then I think Kim has a confessional saying, can we buy Barb back, but we already have so little money? Are we going to have to drain the pot here? Yeah. The other interesting thing to point out here is something that Bindles actually mentions in his challenge guide. We know for a fact they were still going to do this non-elimination even if Manuel hadn't got medevaced, because mathematically, it could have ended in a 3-3 tie. Barbara could have ended up basically being in limbo if she'd got three green and three red. Hmm. So it had to be this round. So, yeah, it was going to be this round anyway. Round three is traditionally the non-elimination episode of of early mole seasons anyway for, for Venom. But they were always going to do this non-elimination twist in, in this round. They probably, being honest about it, should have done it in Holland Village and done it at nine with Tim. And I think it still would have been exactly the same outcome, to be perfectly honest. I think they would have saved Tim. And even not only do they not want their group cut down to six people so fast, but also everyone's so keen to look like them all after the dinner after the dinner challenge. Yeah, it's the perfect non-elimination challenge for the mole because not only do they keep money out of the pot, but also they keep people in the group and hide more. I said this in the Georgia one, I think it was, with the zipline. The mole will always want, as a priority, to keep people in because it then hides their presence. As soon as someone goes home, you can't save them. And it gives them more cover. Yeah, that's true. They always want to have as many people in the game to hide behind. Yeah, it's the one exception to the rule of the mole wants to keep money out of the pot is when there is a non-elimination game where it's a choice between keeping people or keeping money. They will always go for people because it, it hides them more in the group. And it makes them seem more like a team player as well. Unless you get someone like Olche who wants money at all costs. So Sana is first. She tells her the truth, giving her a green torpedo. 
She says the mole would want to give Barbara a green one, as it keeps more suspects and keeps money away from the pot, which is exactly what I said. Kim is second and also tells the truth, giving her a green one, as Barbara will give her information. Fritz is third and tells the truth, giving Barbara one piece away from safety. And Ayn is told to be honest, and he is, saving Barbara, but earning them nothing of 2000 for the challenge, nothing of 6000 for the episode, and 5500 of 21500 for the season so far. They're not doing as well as the Belhia crew. They really aren't. She says she was most worried about Sana, and then about Fritz. Once both of them told her the truth, she knew that she was going to be saved. And then they all tease her, saying, well, now you have to give us information, you have to wash our laundry, <laughs> you have to buy our us our drinks and sake for the rest of the trip. <laughs> Barbara's now regretting staying in the game. So next time, everyone goes back to school before carrying sandbags and visit a suicide forest for a particularly fractious version of Chain Gang. Yeah, another iconic episode. Yeah, I was going to say, as much as I love this episode, next episode is very fun. All three challenges are particular classics, I would say, in the mole canon. My love of Chain Gang, very well known. We have discussed the sandbag challenge before in the terrible version of it in Renaissance. This is a very good version of it. And um, the school challenge is a particularly infamous one that various international versions have copied, not in Japan. And then we get Manuel's elimination montage, where it's just a, a loop of him throwing up in the hotel bathroom by himself for two days. I feel really bad for Manuel, because we don't actually know he's alive for another seven weeks at this point. Yeah. <laughs> he disappears until the reunion. They don't give him a montage, they don't do what Belkia has done and have a sign-off message, or even go and record with him two weeks later, just go, don't worry guys, perfectly fine i just had i just had the shit sitting don't worry about it <laughs> yeah. yeah shit sitting is the mole i'm just very surprised they didn't do a montage for him well i know we said that loretta was very under editing that first challenge but manuel is very under edited in the first two episodes yeah but he was in there twice as long as as loretta but Loretta was very under-edited in the first episode. Manuel is very under-edited in both of his episodes. Like He was there twice as long as Loretta, but I don't think he had any more content than Loretta did. His big moment was basically telling her she's an idiot for saying that she'd pick whatever she saw first in the first episode. And that was included in Loretta's montage. Yeah. It was pretty much a montage for both of them, just Manuel's was two weeks early. Yeah, I'm trying to think what any highlights Manuel had in episode 2 and I can't think of any well he didn't get any advantages in the in the trust game he was the one person to get beaten by Peter Yan he went out really quickly in, in the laser game oh yeah is that when he got shot at the bottom of the escalator right no it was that was Aryan wasn't it Aryan yeah I can't remember he's potentially the most forgettable person in this season and I'm Fully aware that I described Loretta as purple Loretta in episode one. Oh yeah, Manuel's paired up with Kim in the exemption challenge. Manuel's paired up with Hint in the laser game. They stroll into a man in black and then press another button and they both get shot. That's the extent of their laser game. Yeah, and also I have like no notes about him and Kim in the Joker challenge. No, the one note about them in the trust game is Manuel plays a stupid game with Peter Yan and gets zero prizes out of it. Oh, I do have a note here. 
You want to, you want to know what my note is when they're taking the quiz together? Pure silence. <laughs> I think if you asked any mole fan to name the cast of this season, they would think of Tim because he he has a big first episode, as you said. You'd probably struggle with like a few of the final seven. You'd maybe struggle with a Barbara, someone like that. I don't think anyone would remember Manuel. Well, I mean, but he does have a pretty big distinction of being medevaced. Yeah, he's one of the rare medevacs of any season of Mole, and the next one is another three seasons later, but he just disappears. The most we hear about it is Pete Yang going, oh yeah, Manuel's not feeling well, he's he's not going to do this challenge at the start of the driving school. Like, the next medevac is Janine in South Africa, and I, I'm not spoiling anything by telling you that because... You've mentioned it numerous times, yeah. Yeah. She breaks her back in a challenge. They give a lot of attention to Janine in that episode. We get nothing from Manuel here. Yeah, because even Jean-Marc had a whole sign-off too. That's the difference between 2010 Vidim and even 2013. In the space of three years, they give so much more attention to people who leave the game outside of the execution method. And it's four people who get medevaced all together in Vidim, right? Yeah, it's, it's at least four. Because you have the potentially original mole, then you have Manuel, then you have Janine, and then you have well, depends depends how you consider John Mart, to be honest. Well he I I would consider him a medevac. But yeah, if you consider him a medevac, then it's four off the top of my head. The one thing I will say about this non-elimination challenge is I think it pretty much guarantees that nobody's ever suspecting Barbara is the mole. It's a huge disadvantage for her. Yeah, because they're thinking why would the why would production single her out? That would be a really bad idea if she's the mole. Yeah, and also with the exception of one particular Australian season, they would never execute the mole deliberately to trick the contestants. Oh, and it backfired on them majorly. I was going to say that might be a season to end up doing on Historians, but I, I think it's supposed to be pretty shit outside of that. <laughs> with Katrina, I, I watched that. It's been like 10 years since I've seen that season maybe even longer, and I remember thinking, this is the weakest of the Australian seasons. But yeah, they're not even going to put the mole in danger, because there is a very real chance that if Barbara was the mole, that she would get four red tapitos and go home. And they'd have to come up with some sort of convoluted excuse to bring her back into the game next episode, which would then make it super obvious she was the mole. So, spoiling nothing, Barbara's not the mole. (laughs) I think we can safely say that. Have you got anything else to say about the episode? No, I think I'm good. So, thank you for listening to our Vista Mall 2010 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for an old mall in Japan. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors. Or you can email us and contact at RTVWarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at LuxQuacky, and I'm MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Maruki for the subtitles. We'll see you next week. Peace out, and just chill till next to flavoring. Shall we discuss what the mall did then? Yes. My first note here is just, duh, seven fines. Yeah, Kim got fined way more than anybody else that drove. Well, Hint as well. Hint got seven, but we specifically saw Kim reverse down the road. She was the first person we saw have no chance at any money in this challenge. And Kim's strategy takes a bit of a turn. She does a lot better as the mole starting with this episode. Because she gets a lot more believable sabotages, where she gets really emotional with Sana. Isn't it really weird how Kim starts being quite a good mole when 
everyone else is trying to mull around it. Yeah, because then the argument could be made, like, did Kim, was Kim really that successful of a mole? Or did she get a lot of help by Fritz trying really hard to be the mole? Because Fritz and Eric were both all over Kim. I mean, they were asking Sana, oh, did Kim hear you on your last walkie-talkie? They were taking very close tabs on Kim. And now that they've locked onto her, Fritz and Eric are trying to really distract everybody else so no one gets onto the, onto the same trail as they are. Yeah, this challenge is obviously amazing for so many reasons. But I think more than anything, it helps Kim way more because it gives her plausible deniability on a lot of these things. Yeah. And I thought it was very interesting that, um, that Angela specifically says that people have to be famous enough to be them all. You have to have a degree of notoriety, which excludes Aryan. She probably wouldn't make the same argument about Aryan now, being honest. But And then in the second challenge, Kim kind of fails with the sabotage there, because neither, neither Angela nor Carol really think she could be the mole. And also her strategy going into it is to go, oh, my friend is Peggy. Why don't I just emulate her and make it super obvious that I've got a secret challenge and all that sort of stuff. But in the same way we've discussed this with Belle here, I think in a challenge like this, Angela and Carol are looking far more at people who are trying to look suspicious. So then they exclude Kim because she is trying to do the Peggy thing. She misplayed that, I think, a little bit. Well, yeah, because money's going to end up going into the pot because of it. I think even outside of that, she she misplayed it, even with the better odds with Manuel not being there. She misplayed it because she didn't understand what, what Angela and Carol were actually going to look for. Yeah, because it's more important, more important for her to get a read on Angela and Carol than it was for Angela and Carol to get a read on her. Yeah, she didn't she didn't work out what they were going to find most suspicious. Yep. And the final thing is, unsurprisingly, she kept money out of the pot by saving Barbara. She was one of the four who gave her a green. Yeah. It'd be funny if she tried to give her a red one just to be different. <laughs> I think with that final challenge, even if you're not the mole, you probably still have to give them a green to Pito just because you don't want to deal with the fallout if they get a red one off you and you're the only person to give them a red one. Yeah, she just has to follow the crowd on this one. Not a whole lot she can do. Just fall in line to get the 3,000 out. Yeah, as soon as everyone else starts giving a green one, you just go, oh, I've got to give her a green one, haven't I? But even, even then, as a mole, you'd give her a green one regardless because, you know, it keeps money out the pot. And then you keep the extra person in the game, yeah. Have you got anything else you want to say? Nope. In that case, see you next week.